Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 586 for March 16th, 2019, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week is our guest is Bart Bouchats, but we are not talking about programming by stealth. There will be no heavy lifting, no uh, propeller beanies spun. Is that right, Bart? Uh, certainly not computery ones. Um, and since I don't know much about economics, there won't be it won't be all that propellery, I guess. <laughs> it might be uh, heavy thinking, right, about how we feel about things this time. Well, I'm hoping to sort of not go too hard on the feeling and more on the thinking and the reasoning. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me just lay out a little bit of what's going on here. Is Bart wrote a thought piece uh, called "Free Premium." Free for now, and I'm going to let you pronounce the last word. Well, freepy like creepy. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the business models and what you're getting out of them and what you're selling and, and buying in uh, in some of the tools we're using today. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, in theory, you can you can use the same logic for, um, for, for anything, but I, I'm sort of going to be focusing on online services. Is just social media in particular, or it doesn't necessarily have to be social media, but definitely stuff that's online that we're going to use as an app or as a service of some sort. Okay, where do you want to start? Um, well, I, I think we many moons ago we had a conversation where at the time the way I was phrasing it was follow the money, and <laughs> that's actually still w- what I'm arguing. But I just I've just, I think about it differently, basically. Uh, when I do follow the money, I try to figure out which one of four business models the money best fits into, four pigeonholes. And I know these are imperfect approximations, right? The, the real world is a spectrum, and I've just arbitrarily decided to take this spectrum and lop it into four pieces. Okay. But I still think they're a useful tool to help sort of get your thinking straight. So the easiest one to do, and it's my favorite one, I wish more of the world were like this one, is actually totally genuinely free you're not paying with your money you're not paying with your attention you're not paying with your data no matter what you care to come up with you're not paying it's actually genuinely free would uh, these podcasts be an example of free yes actually these podcasts would be a great example of free because yes i mean people can choose to give us money for them but yes. they can also choose not to, and there's no difference in what you get or... Yeah. Right? It's just, it, it, it's it's an odd thing that it exists, though. A lot of people ask me, well, yeah, what are you getting out of it? How much money do you make? Well, I come close to paying off the expenses. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there, I mean, it's not... Okay, so the, the communities would tend to fund this model because they're things people share for the love of thing so if you're mad into crochet you're going to have a whole bunch of crochet stuff that's genuinely free because that's your thing um but it's not only communities that are genuinely free it's also stuff done by charitable foundations and that can be really big stuff like wikipedia is genuinely free firefox is genuinely free Linux. So they don't they don't by their inherent state have any kind of tracking or anything else going on like that? No, they don't. They are they are funded by once a year they put up a giant big ad saying if you'd like to give us money we'll take it please. Right. Right. Sort of the NPR model. NPR there's there's another mostly 
like I say, they're uh, on a bit of a spectrum. No, no, they're on a bit of a spectrum. Full of right. ads. Full of ads. Lots of ads. Right, but Short it's ads. ads sold against the programming, not ads sold against the listener. Well, they but can't... that's not free. And that doesn't right, I'm saying, okay, this. Spectrum, right? I did say Spectrum. And right, NPR would still would... fit closest to the free model. Because, uh, right, okay, they're not selling your private information. They don't have right. it. You're listening to a radio, so they can't be personalizing the ads at you. They're pers- they're basing the ads on the con- on the show they're appearing in, not on the people listening. Right, right, but that doesn't make it free. I'm paying with my attention to their ads. That I am paying something. There is a price to be paid. Yes, there is, which is why I'm saying these are approximations. Okay. So on the spectrum where we define supported. the world into free, this is NPR is at the edge. It is at the edge of free, but it's definitely mm. closer to being a free business model than to being Facebook. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I think you got to be careful different. with NPR because it does. There's more to it than that, but uh, but I get right. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, right, it's a perfect example because I'm not saying that the world neatly fits into my four arbitrary categories, right? There are edge cases. So then okay, the question so ad is: ad-supported fits under your your uh, example of free. It might do, okay. if the, right? If the ad is based off of where it appears, then it's not really you that it's not your personal information that's up for sale. I see. But what if you're the saying. ad. Yes, I mean, you know, not, ads are not quite all the same as each other. But anyway, Wikipedia is a much better example because it's a plain old charitable foundation. So that's just, that's just easier. So okay. charitable foundations are generally the easiest to figure out. Um, but they're not, there's not zero work, right? Because what, what are the incentives driving a charitable foundation? I don't it's know. It's going to be their mission statement. Okay. So... If a charitable foundation has a mission statement you find odious, then their best interests and your best interests are out of alignment. And that's what you want to avoid. The reason I say to follow the money is because I want to know where the incentives are, because incentives are incentives are like the current on a river. It eventually wins, right? <laughs> Companies will always go where their incentives lead. They'll struggle against it for a while, but if you apply enough delta T the incentives will win. So what are the incentives? And the big thing to me is, do the incentives pushing the company align with where I want to go? And if they align with where I want to go, the chances are we'll be, we'll, we'll be fast friends. And if the I incentives... Wanna, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but I'm thinking of, of Google and where their incentive is. And at the same time, they're rowing as hard as they can upriver with the motto of don't be evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, good. That, that, it's one of the reasons, you know, Tim Cook's comment to about Facebook was I wouldn't be in that position. The reason is because Tim wouldn't want to run a company where the incentives went against the customers. Okay. That's difficult to do, right? That's. I would find it very hard to be in a job where I knew that if I did well at my job, I'd be harming my users. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'd find that difficult. So that's why so I work in not- education and make a quarter of the money I could make with my skills in private industry. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Based on my my qualifications. You're unsympathetic to the people who take jobs being scammers on the phone. (laughs) No, because if I lived, if I lived in a country where I couldn't put food on the table, I think I might Mm. draw different lines. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
So I, I, I don't want to be too judgmental. But, you know, so basically... I do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my interest is in basically figuring out, are they trying to go to the same place I'm trying to go? So for a charity, it just comes down to you read their mission statement. And if you believe in an inclusive world where there is, you know, women's rights and gay rights, all these things, and the charity that is offering the service believes in the exact opposite to you, well, then, yeah, it might be genuinely free, but no, it's still not, their interests are still not aligned with yours, or it could be the opposite. You could be, you could be, you know, a deeply religious person, and the organization could be an atheist organization. <laughs> they're, right. they're not aligned with you. It doesn't matter that, that, that they're a charity. So just being a charity isn't enough to know that their interests are aligned with yours. But it's easy to figure out what a charity is for, right? They all have mission statements. They're proud of their mission statements. They boast about their mission statements. So if you read the mission statement and you nod your head and go, yep. Okay, well, then right, they're in, right. their incentives and yours align. I mean, incompetence can still ruin everything, but at least the incentives are right. Yeah. That makes yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of a charitable foundation where I would think that their motivations would be dramatically opposed to what I'm think what I would believe in. Is the NRA a uh, charitable? That would, oh, well, we probably shouldn't talk that. that turns yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, ultimately, right? It, it doesn't really matter what we personally believe. I know for a fact that there are organizations who hold different views to me on hot button issues. So, okay. regardless of what okay. my position on gun control is, there are charitable foundations on both sides of that issue. Oh, okay. Okay. Got you. So it doesn't matter whether you're pro or anti-gun. There are charities on both sides. Okay. Okay. So we're, we've looked at free and, and even within the category of free, looking at what the charity's mission is. Yeah. And that, you, okay. you, that, that's, it. that's kind of the hardest work you have to do. And that's not too hard. Right. The next right. category then is freemium. So here we, here we introduce money into the equation. I like it's freemium. A, Freemium, well, freemium comes in two, freemium is a game of two halves, right? So let us put on our Pollyanna hat. <laughs> so a freemium model that is where the incentives will align with you is going to fall into the category of what I call good freemium. So the idea with freemium is they have a tiered service of some sort. There are a basic service for no money and something better for some money and something even better for some more money to some amount of levels, Right, right. It's freemium if the bottom tier is free, and then you start to pay and you get extra. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways that you can go about making that into a profitable venture. You can either use the carrot or the stick. So you can make the free offer such a pleasing place that people will want more and will be delighted to upgrade to your paid offering. Or you can make the free offering so bloody irritating that you'll go and you'll upgrade. Okay. One of those is aligned with your interests and one of those isn't. So a great example of the former would be a service like Dropbox or Evernote. LastPass is a good one where they give you on on one device for free and you're like, wow, that's awesome. This is great. I got all my passwords. You go, man, I'd like to have it on my Mac too. Well, you know, can we have a few dollars a month? That'd be swell. Yeah, and we're going to sync it for you in our cloud. We're going to run our service to make your stuff go. It seems very reasonable. Exactly, it's a really good example, actually, yes. So that's the carrot, and I am a huge fan of the carrot. Uh, and it can be the foundation of a successful business, which means, and it's important that if something is run as a for-profit company, it can make a profit because 
if you're the user of a service offered by a for-profit company that's failing to make a profit, you're it's not going to end well. It doesn't matter how much they think you're swell and want to make you happy if they're not. I, I think right. a good example in that category uh, might have been Evernote, where their business model was they had this free tier that uh, a lot of people really liked, but enough people paid. And it was it was a small percentage that actually paid that made it profitable for a while. But I guess after some period of time, that didn't pan out. And so they had to change the free model. And it was it, it was a case of where they gave you stuff for free and then they took it away. Yeah, see, Evernote like, basically lost track of their core product and started producing an app that was bloated, buggy, and awful. I am still trapped <laughs> in Evernote. Ah. And I really, really, really do not like where the company has taken the product. And it they, they they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in my book because they had a perfect product and they just couldn't leave it alone. I was happily paying them $40 a year. Happily. Oh, wow. Okay, so you were one of the paying customers. But the, the non-paying customers in this freemium thing we're talking about all of a sudden lost a bunch of features. And maybe where it is now would have been a good place for them to start, but they gave it away for free and then took it a, a bunch of stuff away and then people lost their ever-loving minds, right? Yeah, like I say, incompetence can't, uh, you know. <laughs> you said let's be good at business, but at least if you pick a business model that makes that aligns your incentives, there's a chance it'll go well, right? It, it, there's no guarantees in this world that it'll go well. But I think Dropbox is actually a much better example because I remember listening to an interview with the Dropbox CEO where he basically said, we will be a highly profitable corporation if I think it was if one in 10 people pay on our lowest tier or something like that. Oh, it wasn't was even it one high? in 100. I it might have been yeah, 1%. I think like one in 100, yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, A, you've thought about this and B, that's reasonable. And I remember him saying, and we're currently running at two and a half times that or something. And oh, so I remember okay. thinking, well, I'm comfortable being a user of you. I'm comfortable entrusting my files to you because you're not going to go bankrupt tomorrow. Right, right. Yeah, that would be a really bad service to have. <laughs> it would. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, so freemium can be very positive, but there's a, there's a, there's a dirty tail side, right? Uh-oh. Probably the best example of evil freemium are those games where you cannot win unless you buy the doodleberries or whatever the friggin' hell they're charging oh, you for. Oh, they have that? Where you can't win? There are Not games where you... persistence? Yes, there are games where even persistence doesn't work. And a lot of them are marketed at kids who then end up pestering their parents and stuff. It, it is pretty, it can get pretty stuff. darn vile. Mm. So that's evil would, freemium. Would you call, uh, would you include in the freemium model uh, where it's ad supported unless you pay them? Yeah, that's a form of, that's a form of fairly benign freemium actually, because it's basically giving you the choice between freemium and what we'll talk about later, which is freepy. So basically, you can either, pay with your personal information or with your cash. So and as apps long as, don't necessarily mean personal information, do they? In in apps, they almost always do. They don't, not necessarily. You're correct in saying not necessarily, but unfortunately, huh. the services that are available, so the services that apps developers can buy into are the double, basically... The double clicks of the world? Yes. And they are freepy, I'm afraid. And so that makes and, me really want to pay for Overcast. I I, I did try the other day and uh, ran into an error across uh, Apple services, but, uh, yeah. well, but they've got ads and I didn't assume that he would be doing that. He's, I mean, I don't know what his ad network is, but I know that Apple tried to have a not evil ad network and it didn't go well for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean that was Steve Jobs' big idea. Let's do let's do ads, but not evil. It, it, it didn't. Apparently, panic. there's no such thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it's sustainable. 
that there are exceptions though because John Gruber hand purchases his ads for Daring Fireball. And he can do that because he's a person who has to pay, who basically he has to make one family have bread on the table, not thousands of employees. And so he can be advertising based without being evil because he's handpicking advertisers based on his understanding of his audience's interests. Right. And because he has one advertiser per week, he has sort of a Rolls Royce of advertising. Right. So he can charge that one advertiser a lot, but that's not scalable to CNN. Right. So, I mean, it's not always bad, but ads are definitely more... It's very difficult to do ads in a not creepy way. Not impossible, but it's very difficult. Whereas it's much more straightforward to just say, okay, I'll give you a dollar a month, two dollars a month, whatever. That That's easy. Where things go horribly wrong, though, is we're... Comp- and this is where we get really angry on, uh, on various episodes of Security Bits and stuff. We've gotten really <laughs> cranky. When American ISPs will charge their internet consumers for a product and then turn around and also sell their data to advertisers. It's like, no, 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 no. Either you give it to me for free or for a massive discount, or you take my personal information, but you don't get to do both. Yeah. You know, I mean, that really upsets us when, when, when corporations do both. Um, and actually, yeah, another, another sort of danger sign, I think, is unrealistic pricing. So if you see something that's that, that that's a commercial product, so I'm mostly focusing on free stuff for this episode, but if you see something that's pretending to be a commercial product, but the price is utterly unrealistic, there's something going on. Right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, too good to be true. It, yeah, exactly. If it's too good to be true, if it doesn't add up, if the sums don't add up, then they're, they're, they're selling something else apart from what... Mm. Apart from you being their customer, there's something more going on. And that would always be a danger sign to me that, well, this might look like a not free service. Maybe it actually is effectively free because they're charging you so little that they have to be doing something else too. Yeah. And that, that's yeah, I've, I've had that feel, that that thing where you're you're thinking, wow, this looks really great. And I, well, I remember, what was it, that application, the Vectornator. I still don't understand that one. I mean, it's a, a full-fledged vector design program that's really, really good, and it's 100% free. And I wrote to the developer and talked to him directly, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I used to charge for it, and I decided to stop. Well, Why? that's community, probably. How? Right? What? I don't know. There's something about it that I still get this little little tickle in the back of my neck is, come on, it's too good. This should. I mean, if 10 bucks, anything would make me feel better than free. There is a lot of software that's given away for free open source. Or, you know, I mean... Well, yeah, this isn't open source, though. This is... No. Uh, I, I, I actually understand open source more because then you're going, live free, fly out of the cage. You know, that's different than, no, I'm just not charging. Well, it, there it is just, the pay it forward model, right? I, you know, I mean, yeah. let's, let's imagine you're... You know, you're, you've reached retirement age, you have a very healthy, whatever you, for 401k or whatever you call your retirement mm-hmm. funds in the States that I don't understand. And you're just doing it for fun now. Oh, sure, sure. And there have been people like the guy who wrote Telegram made a fortune. Uh, I think he's Russian, isn't he? Yes. And then the Russian government took over the thing he made money from. And so he left, but he took, he somehow, I think, ended up with the money and decided he was going to make a quasi-secure messaging service. I mean, his intention was to make it actually secure, but he broke the cardinal rule of don't invent your own crypto. Yeah, yeah. But so he, that's what I said, quasi. But um, 
but that's a case of where you can understand it because he made a trunk load of money and he can afford to give it away. That's one thing. But this kid is this kid is like right out of college. Well, there is the, the CV bolstering approach as well. So he may be getting something out of it in terms of prestige. CV and sometimes is what we would call a resume, I think. Yes. I've started to see CV around, but in case people know it, want to know what he means. Yeah. Curriculum vitae. It's, it's Latin. It must be better. You guys are so fancy over in Europe. Um, it, I mean, it is also the case that charging money for things takes effort. You, mm. you have to have a payment processor. You have to have a website and people then demand support. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just give it away, you still get the credit for having written it. You can still use it as part of your portfolio, but you don't have... If someone says, I demand you support me, you go, well, how much did you pay? <laughs> yeah you know? I mean it's not it, you're right though it it does sort of make you go huh and if there's no good answer that that does worry me so I would definitely be the kind of person who'd be looking for okay well wh- why are you just a nice guy or or am I being totally taken for a ride yeah now um, here's here's a sideways one that I wonder how you think about mm-hmm. um Something like GitHub was a free service, but then it got bought, which means it had value. Don't know Wasn't what the GitHub value freemium? that was purchased was it. I thought GitHub. Well, I've been I've been a paying GitHub member for many many years okay. long before Microsoft ever hoped into view. Okay, okay, so that's what. So now it's owned by Microsoft, mm-hmm. and now it's now it's something that's freemium that is owned by a giant money grabbing uh, corporation. Right, but Microsoft are... Okay, so we're not really focusing on the for-profit stuff, but just to say that Microsoft's business model is... The the customer is the user for Microsoft. So Microsoft Mm -hmm. make money by selling you things. Okay, okay. So it's actually quite a straightforward business model. Okay. so But, I mean, it it does fit freemium, though. Oh, it definitely is freemium, yes, because you can be a free GitHub user... Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've been a paying GitHub user and still am a paying GitHub user because I want, the, regardless of who owns it, I want it to continue. Interesting. Uh, and Microsoft run their. I didn't even stuff know you could pay for GitHub. Oh yeah, uh, if you want private repos, you get. I think you used to get none free, and you had to pay to get. I think it was three free, and then they gave you five for free. Okay. And I only have three, but I still okay. pay them seven dollars a month. Oh wow! Oh, Which means I have okay. infinity of free private repos interesting of which i'm using three <laughs> you, you bring but you could uh but well could. you bring up the the business model of microsoft and it, they're honest about what they're selling you you know they are selling you office they're selling you uh, computers now uh they're selling you um an operating system in that case um I, I will always remember a company that I really loved to negotiate with. It was a company called Parametric Technology Corporation. I did a lot of negotiations, big corporate deals. It's a great name, actually. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool software. But anyway, it's mechanical design software. It's like 30000 a seat or something like that. This is Ooh. expensive CAD stuff, but or at least it was at one time. Uh, but anyway, I was negotiating this big corporate contract, and I'm sitting down across the VP of, of uh, sales, I think it was. And the guy says to me, you have money. I want more of it. What do I got to do? <laughs> and it was just the most wonderful thing because it's like, all right, I can deal with this conversation because all the other sales guys were always like, we want to partner with you. You know, if you're successful, we're successful. It's like, ah, it's yeah, a bunch of crap. You know? <laughs> exactly. He goes, you have money and I want more of it. What do I got to do? I, that's refreshingly honest. Now, yeah. what I sort of say in the preamble of my blog post is that I'm leaving out straightforward, you pay for stuff because the, the incentives are very straightforward there. Basically, mm-hmm. you are the user and the customer. Therefore, the incentives just all line up. 
they keep you happy, right. they keep getting your money. And that's why I have, when it comes to cloud services, I am a happy paying Microsoft customer. And not a grudging Microsoft customer. I'm a really happy Microsoft customer. Office 365 is a wonderful product and Black. I pay for it. And I they keep it, Bart. I want to. We should have a whole argument about that sometime. Okay, well, you're using this weird half half Office 365, right? The stuff they give to personal people. I'm using the corporate stuff. Well, yeah, but and you it's don't $5 per person stuff. per month, right? It's, it's $5 per mailbox. The, yeah, but you don't pay for the corporate stuff. Well, I do. <laughs> you don't. You come, your school pays for it. No, oh, no, 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 okay, no, no. I have two. I, I like it so much. Okay, so in work we have it, and I like it so much I now have it outside of work too. So you have the personal version at home? No, no, no. I have... Oh, they sell you the the uh, work version. Yeah, I mean, it, okay, it's well, five. I, I, it's five dollars per 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 mailbox, or five dollars per person per month. It doesn't doesn't okay. matter. I don't you're... think you should call call what I'm using as half. I mean, it is full Office three sixty five. It's just not the enterprise version. It should work properly. Yeah, but what it offers is so much less than what I consider to be Office 365. Anyway, Microsoft don't know how to market something, right? They'll they'll, they'll stick the same name on twenty things that are totally mm-hmm. different. So yeah, that's, that's a whole other... in our experience yesterday, me not being able to download something from Office 365 that you put in there, had you put it in Dropbox, I would have been able to download it, but I couldn't because Office 365 is stupid. Sorry. OneDrive it, is stupid. I definitely dislike OneDrive. Definitely. It's, it, 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 it doesn't work right. on context because when it comes to being GDPR compliant and having stuff not leak out, in this case, it was being too secure, which is sort of refreshing compared to most of what we'll be talking about today, I guess. <laughs> You mean, so the part where you said, share this with anyone and it wouldn't let me have it? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it did from it's a not high usability. Weird. Anyway, we're, we're, we're okay. getting a little bit sidetracked, to say the least. A lot sidetracked. Okay, we should have a whole episode of fighting about Microsoft and everything I hate about it. But go ahead. I want to yeah. love it. I really do. I really do. But from okay, a business so- model point of view, they may not be succeeding in meeting their incentives, but their incentives are aligned with yours if you're a paying yeah. customer. Uh, okay, so we're now getting into the weeds, though, right? Because free is easy to understand, and freemium is pretty easy to understand. You know, it comes in evil and, and not evil. But the free for now is where you really get into the hang on a second, this smells of too good to be true. So this so is when our I say third category. F- this is our third category, and this is one where you you need to. It's almost you end up there, sort of by ruling other stuff out. So there is a Silicon Valley business model that's based off the concept that you get a bunch of money. You run a company at a loss for a couple of years so that you have a massive user base and then you turn around and you sell it. Okay. So for a user, while they're in the hoovering up users phase, it's an amazing service. It's free and it's wonderful and it's brilliant and it does everything you could possibly want right up until the point where it's sold. Because Hmm. at that point, it's just changed hands for a few billion with a B dollars and the new owners are not... A charitable foundation, most likely. They expect monetary return on their investment. They literally expect ROI. So how are they going to get it? Well, they're going to have to exploit it. They're going to have to get it out of you, the user, somehow. It's very, very difficult, as we've already mentioned, for a free service to become a paid service later. Right, right. Us humans, it's not logical, but us humans find it our our injustice our internal injustice meter just goes tilt when someone does that <laughs> regardless of the fact that actually you were getting this below economic cost this corporation was running at a three million a year loss for the last five years 
all yeah. that logic doesn't matter a damn. People and it can be a dollar. Cheated. It can be a dollar. That's all it has to be, and the, and your your injustice filter comes out, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not reasonable. It's not logical. It's not sane. But it's it's us. It's what we do, and so that inevitably means that in order to monetize, it has to be we got to sell the user somehow. So the user ceases to be the customer. Someone else becomes the customer. And now interests have just gone fully out of alignment. And the perfect example of this, it would be the uh, Instagram, the WhatsApp, right? These were uh, Twitter to a lesser extent. Twitter wasn't sold, but Twitter ran at a loss forever and a day and is now trying to monetize. And they're finding it excruciatingly difficult you know, they're doing all sorts of user hostile things like shutting down their APIs and stuff and then making a lot of people very cranky, but they kind of have no choice. And I, I'm sort of cranky at myself for having fallen for this one because I should have seen this coming a million miles away. It's a for-profit company not making profit. Which which one is that? Twitter. Twitter, yeah. So back up just a minute to WhatsApp, though. WhatsApp's in a weird category because it was a dollar a year. So I, after, the okay. first year was free. After that, it was a dollar a year, but then in 2016, they decided, okay, now we're going to drop it and keep it free. And then Facebook bought them. <laughs> so, yeah, so they were they were free. It was free, cost, back to free. Well, that's an interesting one. I wasn't aware of that. So I think Instagram is probably the better example where they had a whole community built up and everyone loved them and they were this wonderful company and everyone was living in this beautiful utopia. And then they sold to Facebook. So before they sold to Facebook, though, do we know that they weren't doing anything evil then? I'm pretty sure they were just running at venture capital, running at a loss, running at a loss, running at a loss. Okay. I mean, that is the business model, right? Build up a user base and then turn around and sell. So most people, put me in the category of most people, have no idea whether a company is being funded by venture capital. So when when I had Dave Hamilton on and he was talking about um, Eero being purchased by Amazon, he said, well, we all knew this was coming because they're venture capital funded and their whole job is to make a bunch of money, you know, make themselves worth a whole lot of money and then sell mm. themselves to the highest bidder. And I said, I did not know any of that. How do you know that? How do you know effort. something's venture capital? Yeah, no, not yeah not it's hard, right? This is why we've now, I, I describe this as going into the weeds of all the <laughs> categories, right? This one is actually the most difficult. Because the other ones, the creepy, creepy one is easy to understand, it's not difficult to understand, but it's sort of free for now is kind of, it's almost like you end up there by Sherlock Holmes, right? You've ruled everything else out and you're looking <laughs> at it going, wait, hang on a second. They're not a charity. They're a for-profit company, but they're not actually making a profit and they're offering this free service. Why would they do that? Oh, they're trying to get in users. Right. Where's this going to go? Right. So, I mean, it is, this is the weeds, right? But it's, it's, and it, it, I've fallen for it, right? Like I say, I'm, I'm completely sucked into Twitter. We all should have seen it coming that Twitter was going to have to turn evil because they well, have they turned evil? Well, I mean, I would consider that they're destroying of their own ecosystem in order to try to get a profit out of it. I mean, evil is probably the wrong word. They've turned user hostile. I am not a happy Twitter user. I am a stuck Twitter user who's cranky about it. Okay. My apps have gotten worse because they have decided to lock down their API. First, they rate limited them so that no new innovative apps can ever be invented again, having leached all of the good ideas out of the independent app developer community. Pretty much every feature of Twitter, apart from the tweet 
has been stolen, not stolen, has been, it was developed within the community. It was, right. I mean, even the, the at symbol was invented by the community, right? And the hashtag and the retweet mm-hmm. and the retweet with a quote. <laughs> I mean, everything that we think of as Twitter came out of the community. And now the community has just been completely choked off. It's like no innovation allowed. You know, apps can only have so many downloads and then they're not allowed any more downloads. And now the API has been cut back to the point where no app apart from their app can have instantaneous updates. Oh, and yet we've killed our app for the Mac. We couldn't be bothered having an app for the Mac. You know, I sit here happy on TweetBot and don't notice any of this. And I know... There are things that have been changed that are to my horrible detriment, and I should be noticing them in Cranky, and I don't notice it at all. I Good for no, you. I mean, I'm just perfectly happy. And I, when, I mean, they had to step up their cost significantly because they weren't allowed to sell as many copies. And it's such fabulous software. I said, yeah, I'm paying it. I don't have a problem. In fact, I think I paid them twice because I was like, yeah, here's another one. Okay, well, you know, good for you. I, I, I find myself very much not happy with where Twitter's going. But I have no one to blame but myself. I mean, where well, else so was what this would, going what to would go? You have done in, what would you have done differently, knowing what you your your categorization of free for now? What would you have done? Maybe just not bother joining, like I haven't bothered joining most of the other fads that have been and gone. Or maybe I would have just said, okay, well, I know this is going to go south, but here I go anyway. Hmm. Maybe I just wouldn't have been disappointed. Maybe I would have just been right here, but just been like, well, I knew this was coming. Okay, okay. So eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. I mean, I'm doing a lot less. I'm signing up to a lot less stuff than I used to. Mm. Just because it's like, is this actually worth the effort? Is this actually worth something to me? And a lot of the time I've decided, no, actually, (laughs) my time is more valuable than this. I've seen where this merry-go-round goes. I'm I'm, I'm sitting this one out. You you guys go off and do it. I'm sitting this one out. (laughs) Let me know when you get there if it's any good, right? Yeah. Um, so when when you talk about free for now, can since for now implies something changes, it could mm-hmm. slide into freemium, it, or it, it theoretically could slide could. into pay, fully paid for. Not in any of these free categories, right? It it could in theory, but or, in practice, it's really hard. Or wherever else could it go, Bart? The place it most often goes is into the final category, which is what I'm what I've decided to to coin the phrase freepy. Uh, and this actually, Ken Ray gets credit here. Um, so Ken does a security podcast with the people in SecureMac. So it's it's a bit like the Naked Security blog. It is really good content, but it is paid for by a company with a vested interest, right? SecureMac sells security software for the Mac. They do a Mac security podcast, which happens to be very informative, but you always know where the pitch is going. Right? It's going to be the yeah. pitch their products. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting form of uh, arguably slightly free pee in itself, except they're very transparent about what, why they do it. Um, yeah, I, I I love Ken Ray, but I haven't been able to get myself to sign up to listen to that because it bothers me that they've got such a vested interest. It's the fact that they're open about it makes me okay with it. And the same goes for the Naked Security blog, which you'll see me use as a source an awful lot because it's actually really good and they don't hide it. Mm-hmm. I, I have issues where someone is paid was bought and paid for but they don't tell you well the other thing about naked security when you're on their website you're reading the article none of it says yeah and if they had used sophos this wouldn't have happened you know that Actually, never yeah, comes th- up. their case studies say exactly that i just tend not to link do to they? those and their case studies do but they're regular articles yeah, they're low on it if you look at the ads on a page 
Oh, sure. I mean, I don't mind their ads being on it, but I'm saying, you know, the the the, the body of work that describes a, a, a failure and what happened and who it happened to doesn't end with and they should have brought our, bought our product. Not usually. Not usually. I mean, it happens from time to time. And usually those stories are flagged clearly in advance. And so they don't do it in a way that's sneaky or creepy. So yeah, I, I, I yeah. sort of like, well, I know I know where your bread is buttered. You're transparent about it, so I'm okay with it. It's it's like, it's a difference basically between, you know, we are a company who are telling you, who are sharing our expertise versus I'm a completely ordinary person who is influencing people for no reason, wink, wink. Oh, was I paid <laughs> to say this restaurant was great? Even though it actually gave me food poisoning? Whoops, did I forget to tell you that? It's different. So when when you said Freepy, you said you have to give Ken Ray credit. What part yeah. of it does he get credit for? So Ken, uh, one of the shows they were discussing, um, so, you know, Ken has this phrase that he's he's pushing and that I adore, where he describes Google and Facebook as the Dysons of data. But he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, but this, this this whole business model of selling your personal information we need a word for that. We need a catchy phrase for that. And I was out on my bike listening, as I often am, and I spent an hour noodling in it, you know, and I immediately my brain went to freemium, you know, free and premium, freemium. It's like, okay, what can I mash with the word free that rhymes with icky or creepy or sleazy <laughs> or ooey or icky? You know, I, I, all these negative words. And eventually I sort of came, hang on, creepy rhymes with, fr- you know, creepy. I can do something with that. Mm-hmm. Free in exchange for personal information. So free in exchange for personal information, contract it. So free free and premium becomes freemium. Free in exchange for personal information becomes free PI or freepy, which happens to rhyme <laughs> with creepy. Because most did of the time. Did you tell him that? Hmm? Did, you, did you send it to him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was very, very proud of myself. And I got read out on the show. Oh, good, good. As Bart from Ireland, because Ken decided he couldn't pronounce my name. <laughs> he was nice enough to enough to that on Twitter. <laughs> um, and that sort of got me thinking again about this whole thing. So this is the point where incentives really go out of alignment because suddenly there's a divergence, there's a splitting between the user of the service and the customer who's paying the bills to keep the lights on. And that means that the first incentive, so the companies that fall into this model have multiple incentives acting on them, but the first incentive is to keep the paying customers happy and the secondary incentive is to keep the users happy. And they do need to keep the users... The way I would say it is they don't need to keep the users happy. They need to keep the users not cranky enough to actually leave. And there's massive... I mean, you're an engineer, so you'll understand the word hysteresis. Mm -hmm. But something being good enough to make us like it it's not that once we don't like it anymore, we will leave. There's this massive, massive grey area before something is bad enough that we'll actually sod off. Right. I'm not sure how hysteresis does. Hysteresis is like if something swings and it doesn't swing back to the same spot. Right. So that so it's not. So it's like um, if if you're screwing something forward and then you start to screw back, it doesn't move back straight away. There's a bit of give and then it'll move back. Yeah. Okay. So the point where you stop liking it and the point where you leave are actually quite distant from each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so the incentive for a freepy company is not to keep you to the point where you're happy. It's to make sure you never get to the point where you're cranky enough to actually sod off. Hmm. Because what they need to do, they need to keep the paying customers happy and the users present. So the 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 trick there, I think, is to make sure that before you start being super creepy, make sure that you don't have any competition. Yes. So if that there was a, a, a service that was just as good and within a given definition of good as Facebook mm-hmm. and had all of your friends and family on it, you'd have been over there in a hot minute with exactly. everything that Facebook has done. But yeah, and- basically you have to leave and say, okay, I guess I don't get to know what my cousins are doing anymore to leave. Yeah. So lock-in really helps make this business model work because the distance between happy customer and cranky enough to leave is massive when you're trapped. Like how how cranky do people have to make you how cranky does Facebook have to make you before you'll actually leave? It's a hell of a lot crankier than just I'm not happy. The amount of people who are Facebook users and who apologize for it. <laughs> Are you on Facebook? I am. I, I know I shouldn't be. I don't want to be. But you know, it's, it, Auntie Joan is in Australia and it, I, I couldn't not be on with Auntie Joan. And you get the apologies instantly because most people are there not because they want to be, but because it's like, what am I going to do? I'll be a social outcast if I leave. I just never came in. So I never I was never a social incast. Well, technically so you did. That you, is you true. I was dipped your toe in and ran out, I think it was maybe a week and a half later, two weeks. <laughs> I mean, it was about that when all of a sudden I was bombarded with 20 million friend requests from people I hadn't seen in 20 years and who had no intention of seeing again. Yes, we went to the same school. No, I didn't like you then. You were mean to me. <laughs> Sod off. <laughs> Interesting. And that was before they were as creepy as they are now. Yeah, and that was before I understood what I was doing. I had this so, vague idea that, uh, that, that there was something going on, but I didn't understand what was going on at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the one of the things that's hard here is uh, with the the freepy model is that it's hard to tell a direct correlation between I put something in, Facebook does something with it. I know that that's evil and bad. But in reality, I didn't personally experience anything bad because of it that I can point to. Yeah, it's a distributed harm. It's Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know Facebook is creepy, but what has actually happened to Allison Sheridan as a result of their creepy business model? I mean, I have a certain president. Yeah, and no, may or may not have that. been a may or may not have been affected by what was done. We don't actually have any way of knowing the answer to that question. Uh, but if it if it was because of what was going on, then there was a direct effect. But um, we certainly know there was we certainly know the system was abused in an active attempt to affect the election. Whether they were successful or not is right, right. completely so unknowable. Open. We we don't know, and it's and we will never know the answer to that question. So we can leave that open. But there, even in that, I mean, you see, you can't see a direct correlation. I mean, yeah, I, I, know. I, I joke around a lot about the uh, the Office of Personnel Management lost however many hundreds of thousands of people's uh, security clearance forms, one of which was mine. But you know what? I haven't lost any money as a result of that. I haven't had my, my identity stolen as a result of that. I, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, and if I did, how do I even know it would be from that? Because so many other people have lost my data, right? 
Right, but I believe the Chinese government are pretty sure to have that data. So at this stage, we know sure. it was a massive national security breach. So technically, every American lost massively. Right, but that's that distributed harm, right? It is that but, distributed harm, yeah. So it's like driving gas guzzlers. I mean, you know, I'm still alive and breathing, yeah, but the whole planet's worse off because we all do it. I mean, distributed harm mm-hmm. is really difficult to deal with. And it, yeah, yeah. But if we look at, uh, let's stop picking on just Facebook. If you look at Google and, and the way you get tracked, um, I looked at my Google data and it shows, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but it shows that I go to a liquor store every other day down by the beach and I spend about 45 minutes there. Yeah, well, I don't bad, actually, it? Yeah. yeah, I don't actually go to a liquor store. I park my car pretty close to a liquor store and I go for a run on the beach for those 45 minutes, but that's what it's reporting. But no harm has come to me as a result of that. Until, I haven't been denied America, insurance. Until I America follows the Chinese lead and get, starts to give out um, the social responsibility points and all of a sudden you find yourself being flagged as an irresponsible person. Right. But it hasn't. Right. Yet. Yeah, I and, know. And, it's... and and the chances are that I would maybe be on the side of, yeah, all those people who are jaywalking, they shouldn't be allowed to buy plane tickets. You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, the it's Planet Money does see. an interesting three-parter on that. And it starts off, they start off on the positive side and then they go look at the reality. And I'm afraid it's very Black Mirror. Oh, Actually, yeah, there's one of the best Black Mirror episodes is exactly what I was quoting. <laughs> yeah. Now... Um, I do actually want to want to say something which sounds a little weird at first brush, right? But I definitely want to get this counterexample in. This is an exception, not the rule. But it is possible to have a creepy business model that is not actually creepy. And I can give you an example of a for-profit company that is profitable. So they're not free for now. They're actually, they have a business model and it's working for them. They have a service that's free to use. The customer is not the user and they're turning a tidy profit, and they do not invade your privacy, which sounds impossible. They're called DuckDuckGo. So who how, pays them? Who pays? Advertisers pay for DuckDuckGo, and yet they're not selling your personal information. So how? How are they doing that? How are they squaring that circle? The answer is they're using the trick that newspapers have used for centuries. They sell ads against the search term, not against the user. So, so that's what we thought Google was doing, right? right if no, you, it's, if you search well, okay. for Ford, Chevy would buy an ad against that. That's what Google were doing before before they gave up on Don't Be Evil. Google reached a point where they realized they could make a lot more money if they started selling ads against people. So Google switched their business model from selling ads on search terms to selling ads on searchers. So Google today sells their ads based on who is searching. Google initially sold ads against what you were searching for. And that's a huge difference. That's the If you want to draw a line in the sand at the point where Google turned evil, that was the point. So how do you know that DuckDuckGo makes a tidy profit? Uh, well, they're, they're a publicly traded company, so the, they're these not, things are... Finance.google.com doesn't recognize them, unless I'm misspelling it. Uh, okay, I... I do That's not know exactly from which exact news looking. source I know that they're they're a profitable corporation. Um, I am pretty sure that's not me making it up, but I don't have a citation right now. The second, okay, um, I'll, right. I'll keep searching for that. But uh, they say yeah, that they, kidding. I mean, they 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 actually have a page on their own site where they lay out the fact that they are a business, how their business model works, and it very much passes a sniff test. Okay, 
Unfortunately, man, I tried using it and was not at all happy with it. Uh, I used it for about a week and I was just really aggravated. But I, I heard a little trick on the Daily Tech News show. If you put, I think it's bang G, so the exclamation point mm-hmm. G before your search term, it searches Google and then returns the result anonymously back into DuckDuckGo. <laughs> Well, I've had it as my my iOS search engine for about three or four years now, and it is definitely it is not Google, but at the same time, DuckDuckGo today is not DuckDuckGo three years ago. I tried it about three months ago, and yeah, I fair found enough. it awful. Say, I, uh, I have it on my phone, on all my iOS devices actually, um, and I'm happy to use it, but at the same time. Um, uh, particularly on my work machine, I actually have a separate browser that I use for Googling. So I have basically I have a browser I use only for work, and I'm happy to Google on that one because all Google will know is that I really like JavaScript, Perl, DNS, DHCP. <laughs> but it, it actually, Which, and it has advantages because when I search for a term. Like if I search for TTL, which is such a generic term, it knows I'm talking about DNS because it knows me so well. So, how, and that could never happen Google on DuckDuckGo because TTL is far okay. too generic a term uh-huh. that it would always magically know that I wanted so, the DNS. So, stuff. you do realize what you just said is that you I get do. value out of Google. <laughs> absolutely, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I know I've paid for it; it wasn't free. Right. Right. Yeah. So my, my argument is not don't use these services. My argument is don't assume free financially means free. Unless it's a charitable foundation, you are paying, just not necessarily fiscally. And if you're okay with it, and if you understand that, I don't have any argument with people who choose to use these things. I don't, as long as they chose. My My biggest issue is that these corporations tend to pretend that they're doing it to connect the planet, I believe is Facebook's little canard. We're doing it to connect people. No, you're not. You're doing it to make a fortune. Just own it. (laughs) What do you think about um, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, big manifesto that he just wrote about how he's going to make the um, chat services fully encrypted? No bad thing, but it doesn't change anything about Facebook at the moment. About Facebook the company or Facebook the service? Both. This is in addition to what they do now. They're not getting rid of the like button that follows you around the entire internet. They're not getting rid of their APIs that apps use to feed data back to them. Nothing they're doing now is ceasing. They're just adding privacy to their private messaging going forward. So he described it as, we're really good at the town square, but we also want to be your sitting room. He didn't say we're knocking down the town square and replacing it with the family sitting room. He said we're also doing a family sitting room. Right. Well, it's great that he's also doing a family sitting room, but people are, some people, let me, let me rephrase that. You know, there are many people who understand what's going on. There are some people who think that what he said was, we're stopping what we're doing and replacing it. No, no, no. We're do- it's and this too. So it, it hasn't changed sure. things. People, the, the money flowing into Facebook is still coming from advertisers and it's still coming in exchange for targeted advertising, targeted at the people based on the profile that Facebook gathers from you as you travel the internet, as you visit physical stores, as you interact with financial institutions, as you use apps that have nothing to do with Facebook. All of those data streams are continuing to pour in and be connected together and then bundled up and sold. 
it it it, it doesn't change anything. But yeah, end to end encryption is definitely nice. <laughs> definitely so nice. In in the other categories, there was a uh, a way to think about it and a way to go forward and decide what services you're going to use. But you don't get a choice on some of these freebie ones. Well, you don't. I mean, so you... the choice is: do you do you go in understanding that this is what the trade is? And I don't have, you know, Gmail is actually a really nice mail service. Mm-hmm. But you know that they're analyzing all of your email to profile you. Right. So, But I don't feel harmed at all by that. But if you're going into Not it with your eyes all. open, good on you, even right? With, even without, with my eyes closed. I... But, I do. I I really want to hate Google, but I I I'm I'm successful at hating Facebook. I I've got that one down, but I I find a lot of trouble, um, hating hating Google because I get huge value. I mean, I think their search service is amazing. I don't get any spam. I mean, you know, I write my email address everywhere. I put it on Twitter. I put it on, it's on my it's on every single blog post I post. It's on there. I posted on discussion forums, any old slimy page. I mean, it's running through the sewers of the internet, and yet I don't get any spam because of Google, because I run my mail server through Google. So well, that to me, that sounds like I mean, you understand what they're doing, you understand how the business model works, and you are a happy user. So what's the problem? Right. So it's not. Freepy. I'm not saying there's a problem. It's it's freepy in the personal information meaning of the word but it's not freaky in the in the creepy version of the word to you, know you. I mean? yes yeah, so, all right so right the creepy bit is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> yeah right yeah the facts I, are the facts but the creepy is an opinion it is a feeling um, so is it though Bart? when you look at facebook can you is, <laughs> i would argue that they are not upfront enough neither them nor facebook are upfront enough about exactly how their business model works and exactly how much they track. Because the fact that using apps where all they know about is your email address is enough for Facebook to connect your app usage back to your Facebook account, most people don't understand that. Like People didn't think that the app for tracking menstrual cycles was telling Facebook when you were menstruating. Mm-hmm. That wasn't clear, that wasn't obvious. And that is, to me, just creepy. Objectively creepy. If they were open and honest about how they gathered their information, I would have infinitely less problem with Facebook. But at no point in their history have they shown themselves to be worthy of trust, in my opinion. Right. But do you feel that? Do you feel that way about Google? I do not. I, uh, sorry, yeah. I, as in I agree. I, I do not feel Google have earned my trust either. I feel Google have squandered it too. They just have a much better PR department. <laughs> and they they don't have a mustache twirling evil genius face right i mean i know he's not mustache running he's a robot you know <laughs> but he's a caricature he's a one person you can project it all onto so it's yeah. easy to it's easier yeah it's easier it's facebook easy. are faceless not facebook you mean google, google, google is faceless yeah yeah, yeah. By the way, um, I've continued to look for the, the profit on DuckDuckGo, and I, I have not been able to find anything except an article from 2015 that said they were profitable then. Um, but it also concluded that they're going to have to do a different business model if they ever hope to be hugely profitable. Um, but their their growth in search I've been able to find over time, and they they just hit 10, let's see, 20, they're at 30 million uh, uh, searches a year. They tripled... 
they tripled what they were in two years or something recently enough. We yeah. talked about it on Security Bits. I can't remember yeah. the exact metric, but it was basically good. Yeah. And they've also recently decided to start doing mapping stuff but based on Apple's APIs because Apple's APIs don't need money, or, sorry, don't need PII in exchange for maps, whereas Google's APIs do. Which is also why Apple did Apple Maps, which is initially horrific because, you know, something Google's maps are really bloody good. Yeah, they they really are. Um, uh, there was an article they talked about for about 12 hours on a, an episode of um, This Week in Tech. Um, I, I'm serious. It was really long. They went on way too long. But uh, there, the, the company that started Foursquare now has the ability they're they're actually have expanded into basically owning data about where everybody is so foursquare was originally you'd go and check in and you want to become the mayor of the gym by being there the most times and checking in the most times kind of thing but they've continued to track people and they own basically the data about where everybody is on every single service including apple maps was one of the Uh things that was quoted in this article um, and they, they, I, I, I can try to find a link to the article that, uh, the woman that wrote the article was on the, uh, on the show and it was really scary what they were able to do with the data that they have. And they're basically in everything there. I mean, their, yeah. their, their, their data, what they're tracking is on every app you can think of that you would hope wouldn't have that data. Yeah. And the, the, I'm just, they just reminded me there of some of the stuff about Facebook that, that I don't think Google have quite been caught with their pants down to the same extent. Do you, remember, do you remember when Facebook were caught literally experimenting on users where they were biasing people's news stream to see if they could make them happy or depressed? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But Ex- nobody left. <laughs> but nobody left, yeah. I mean, they were actually experimenting on, on people's mental health. Mm-hmm. To, you know, and their ethics department at no point went, oh, maybe this is dangerous. <laughs> The good news is, I think, uh, um, I heard that they lost a million users, which is 0.001% or something in the last year that people are starting to leave. The woman's name was Paris Martineau, and it was an article about Foursquare, and I will put a link to this in the show notes to the Wired article. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. Which, by the way, is a freemium model. I have read half of my complimentary articles this month. Actually, there's another example of freemium news. I I am now a paying New York Times subscriber, even though I don't live in New York or America, but I'm still an hmm. NYT subscriber because they have people whose opinion I value enough to pay them, I think it's three euro a month because I work in education. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three euros every 28 days. It's like, yeah, I'll happily give you that. Thank you. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of these places, though, I mean, Wired is the perfect example. I used to pay them for the magazine, and the magazine was only $10 a year for them to print in high-gloss color that was impossible for anyone over the age of 30 to read. (laughs) And uh, that is, the. by the way, the very first place that I noticed that my close-up vision was failing as an adult, you know? And, uh, but they would print this and mail it to me for $10 a year. Right, but they weren't only doing it to you because they were also selling ads against their content. So that wasn't Well, the ad, creepy. no, the magazine was a lot of ads. I didn't say it was creepy. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, just I'm just saying, saying it's a perfect example to make my point. awfully inexpensive 
for what I was getting. I mean, really yes. inexpensive. And then they went online where you cannot open their web page without. I mean, if you've got any distraction problems at all, you cannot read it. The, the, the it's awful on the iPad when you open the page. The the close button for the pop up ad isn't on screen. You have to turn the. It's, oh, yeah. I know. Hate no, wired. I, I was well, hurling it because just popped something up while I was telling that story. I was highlighting it to say that it, it, it reminds me of another pet peeve of mine that it is a false dichotomy to say that you can either have advertising or you can have privacy. You can't have both. That is a fallacy. You can have you can make more money selling ads against people instead of against content. But you can absolutely sell ads against content because that is literally how the newspaper industry, the television industry and the radio industry have survived for a century. Right, mm-hmm. your television does not know who you are, but they do know that if you're watching the Discovery <laughs> Channel, that you're likely to be interested in tech. They know that sorry, if you're watching Bart. the sorry, Bart, I, I got I got to laugh. Yeah, it does. Your TV's from Samsung and it's running Android. I bet it does know exactly who you are. We know my TV. <laughs> I think has a plug in it. In my TV does not have anything shoved into its bottom to connect it to the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay, yeah, so radio. That's becoming more and more rare. Radio. Ra- radio. Okay, I'll give you a- Right. Magazines, right? National Geographic has not detected some sort of magical ink that can phone home. Right? Right. Your Nat Geo mag is full of ads, but they're sold against the content, not against the reader. And you would- it is perfectly viable to sell against the content. Uh, the content. The problem is, it is more lucrative to sell against the person. Well, and if you think about it, that that makes complete sense. Because if I'm if I'm doing an ad on a on a uh, 1957 television that doesn't know where I am, or, uh, where anybody is, I have to squirt out this ad that's going to go to maybe let's say I'm a tractor company. I'm going to put it out a tractor ad, and it's going to go to a whole bunch of people who live in the city and would never buy a tractor. Yeah. But if I can do that same tractor ad, and I can know that Allison lives on a farm in Iowa. And bought yeah, a tractor last, you know, five years ago, which means that one's getting a little long in the tooth, might need an upgrade. You know, that, of course, that's more valuable, right? That yep. makes sense. I Oh, I, I found the, the, the article by Paris Martineau, and I just want to do a direct quote of what it said about Apple Maps. You might think you don't use Foursquare, but chances are you do. Foursquare's technology powers the geofilters in Snapchat, tag tweets on Twitter. It's in Uber. Apple Maps, Airbnb, WeChat, and Samsung phones, to name a few. The technology is in that. that that's a very loose statement. Yeah, I, I'm, it's out of context, so I'll put the link in the show notes. To, yeah, I uh, want to have a read of that because uh, I'm very yeah. curious. Yeah, this is after quite a lot of explanation of what they were talking about. But uh, yeah, well, this is this is pretty interesting, Bart. I like, I I've enjoyed this discussion. Are there any more, uh, high level topics you wanted to say on this? No, I, I don't think so. Basically all I want, all I want is for people to think more. And I, maybe, you know, if dividing the world into four rough categories of free, freemium, free for now and free P helps you figure out how you feel on these things, then I consider it to be a huge success. If all you do is just think more about it, I consider this to be a huge success. <laughs> so that's sort of really all I was hoping to achieve. Yeah. It's a it's a thought piece. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was was fun. I don't know what your uh, tagline to, to to go out is going to be. Because, yeah, neither do uh, I. I'm sitting here going, "Uh-oh, <laughs> sugar, I haven't planned this far ahead." How about don't be creepy? 
Don't be creepy. Yeah, there we go. So until next time, don't be creepy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.